This is Growing Your Successful Business, the podcast for you, the entrepreneur, to learn valuable lessons from the experiences of fellow business owners sharing the secrets of their success and the critical lessons they have learned along the way, as well as experts giving their advice on how to navigate the pitfalls in their industry to help you better run your business. Here's your host, Brian Harding. Hey now, and good day. Thanks for stopping in and check out our little podcast. As I mentioned every week, don't be afraid to tell a friend or an associate uh, and all that good podcasty lingo, subscribe, share, rate, and review, all that good stuff. And I'll remind you again, you can reach my information at growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com. Uh, you can find links to all the different platforms uh, for listening to this podcast on there. And you can also shoot me an email at brian at brianlharding.com if you have questions, suggestions, if you want to be a guest, any good things like that. Today, we're super lucky to have our first two-person, well, three-person podcast. I got two guests today. Uh, I'm going to do my best to contain these people because they're kind of out of control a little bit. <laughs> I got Angie Guy with Angie D Photography. Uh, you can find her information at angiedphotography.com, and you can reach her at 253-230-7886. Welcome, Angie. Hello. And this is going to be a little confusing because we've got two Angies here. We also have Angie Witten with Harmony Photography. You can find her at myharmonyphotography.com and 253-880-2672. And just to give you a sense of who you're listening to today, uh, Angie Guy has lived in the Pacific Northwest all her life. She grew up in University Place, moved to Seattle after college, and then moved back down to the South Sound 17 years ago. Uh, she's been married to her husband, Steve, for 23 years. Oh, I'm sorry. She's been with her husband, Steve, for 23 years. They've been married for 15 and seven and a half years ago, they had their son, Max. Angie enjoys scrapbooking, game nights, and a glass of wine, along with anything that involves laughing with friends. And uh, she's been a photographer for 13 years, specializing in helping women feel amazing through the experience of a boudoir photo photography session. Uh, it's just not about the photos she creates. It's about also about the experience women get to have throughout the process. And we're going to talk about this, I'm sure, a lot more later on. And when she's not working with ladies... You can find her working with families, business professionals, kids, and sometimes even Santa himself. And Angie goes out of her way make, to make photographs fun. Angie Witten is a graduate of the New York Institute of Photography. Woo. Ooh, very, very impressive. <laughs> and has a passion for showing people the best versions of themselves through her photography. Uh, Harmony Photography is an award-winning portrait and event photography studio located in Puyallup, Washington, specializing in boudoir, weddings, glamour, and portraits. So first off, what is boudoir, ladies? What, uh, how would you define that? Uh, Angie Witten here. Uh, I would say that boudoir is kind of anything that you think it is. So people think that it's um, like sexy photos in lingerie, which it can be, but there are different levels of sexy and different ideas of what sexy is. Different levels of sexy, yeah, I would agree sure. with that 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And different people have different perceptions of what that is. So... Um, I try to reflect back what my client's looking for, but I think it's boudoir is um, pretty hard to define because it's a moving target. Right. And Angie Guy, you said it's literal definition. It comes from French, which is uh, bedroom. Correct. Boudoir is bedroom in French. Uh, so think sassy and classy. Um, I have a million questions about boudoir gone, gone wrong, uh, <laughs> but I suppose that probably wouldn't be appropriate here. But uh, maybe when we turn the microphones off, you can tell me some. Maybe I'm later, sure there's some yeah. fun stories on things that have gone horribly wrong with that. But <laughs> uh, so, but the idea is, it's kind of like glamour shots in what you classify as. Yeah, to empower women. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. even erotic. Is that is that too far of a term? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I don't necessarily go down that road very often. I've had a few clients that are really kind of trying to go for a more edgy 
look, but more most of the time it's definitely about being sexy and classy and not necessarily even exposing very much. You're really about a feeling and when somebody feels beautiful and feels like they are sexy, then that's going to come across in their face and in their attitude and all that. Right. Right. And as a husband who has had the privilege of having my wife photograph this way, I can tell you it's a lot of fun. And uh, she certainly experienced, uh, had a good experience and she's very shy and, mm-hmm. and she's very introverted. Uh, but she had a blast doing it, you know, and Angie, what you did awesome. those mm-hmm. and uh, uh, she just had a, a great time with that. Thank you. I would I would also say that um, not about my wife. You're not going to say anything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, women think that they're doing it for their partners usually. Right. And it winds up being more for them. Sure. So I feel like sometimes you don't even really have to show them the pictures. Right. Because the journey they've gone through has been what they were seeking yeah. unknowingly. I think it's kind of yeah. fair to say of all things in life, anything that's like super scary is something you should just do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? I actually just had a husband that I was talking to and he said, you know, I don't even really care. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be happy to see the pictures. But at this point, the way that my wife has already changed just from having the session right. is exactly why I wanted her to do this. Right. So. so is this an appropriate gift for a husband to give a, a wife or a boyfriend to give a girlfriend? Or is that kind of like, eh, maybe not that so much? That would probably depend on where the wife's um, mindset is around it. Absolutely. You don't want to make her do it. Right. If, yeah. It, so it, I'm, getting I, this, I'm getting a sense this is not a good Valentine's Day gift if you don't. It can uh, be. It just depends on the situation. <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah, I would say if you've already had a conversation about it, you know, she said she's interested in it, that type of thing. I did have another person who wanted to buy a gift certificate and went home and told his wife and said, I'm getting this for you. You need to do this. I know that you need to feel better about yourself. And I would love to have you go through this experience. And she was mortified. Right. And so it definitely yeah. is a conversation. You know, and the other thing is to you can always gift a gift certificate that could then be used as family portraits or something right, like right. that if you they can convert they it. don't want to go down that road. Sure. But uh, yeah, definitely it's kind of a, they have to be ready. Even if, you know, I, I've had myself photographed two times before for a boudoir session. And at this current moment in time, I'm not ready for another session, you know, mentally right. just where I'm at with my health and all that. It's not necessarily about my body. It's more about where my mindset is. Sure. And definitely just making sure that you're, you're kind of ready, but in some cases, almost that's exactly the reason you, you can need help to be you through doing a session. What you're going through, yeah. But right. I think I'm yeah. a little pickier since I've already done it twice. And sure, yeah, I've done yeah. it four times. Once with <laughs> Angie Guy, yeah. So folks, awesome. folks listening may wonder why a podcast about business is having folks who do boudoir photos on, but the simple answer is these are still businesses. Sure. And despite what people think when they call a photographer, this isn't just your friend, quote unquote, your friend with a camera. Uh, the, this is a profession, and yeah. and we're going to get into some of the nuances that come along with that. So, Angie Guy, how long ago you started your business? Thirteen years ago, right? Correct. And Angie Witten, uh, I'm coming up on five years. Five years, gotcha. So, um, why did you start your businesses? Actually, ironically, um, I started to become a wedding photographer, which I no longer photograph weddings, so <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but I did, you know, I just have always had a camera in my hand. It's been something that my family always has really enjoyed and appreciated photography. And so uh, I was taking pictures at my cousin's wedding, and um, I showed her the pictures after the fact, you know, and I was just, it, as a guest, they had a hired photographer. And she said, oh, my gosh, I love your pictures better than my professional photographer. Wow. And my light bulb went on because at sure. that point, I, I still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> and um, I was already grown up. But <laughs> right. um, so that was definitely that's how I kind of got started in it and went down that path. Right. 
And Angie Witten? Uh, I've always had a fascination with photography my whole life. Uh, I was talking with my sister a couple weeks ago. I used to hang bed sheets in the bedroom and pose her in front of them with like a, you know, like a Polaroid camera and pretend that we were photographers and models. Um, and I never thought that it was something that I could do because it's too hard to run a business. Right. So I did it as a hobby. And then uh, I was in the car industry for almost 20 years. And when I got laid off, my husband, who was my fiance at the time, kind of pushed me. You know, on our first date, you said, um, if you could be anything in the world, you'd be a photographer. So why don't you do that? Right. And it was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. So that was five years ago. Almost. And, I, and awesome. I, I, I get the sense that your industry in particular is one in which you kind of have to do this on your own because to, you know, to get in touch with your own creativity. I guess I've never heard of a, a you know, Wilson and Jones photography company. So right. uh, it kind of feels like it's a thing you would have to do to uh, express your own creativity. You can't really have a, a, a team do that. I worked at Penny's Portrait Studio for a Christmas season. And yeah, it's it's hard to work in the commercial because it's undervalued. Right. right and right. I, I would say there are actually some businesses out there where photographers have taught other people how to photograph in the same style. Um, so you can have a business where you kind of bring in other people and have them photograph like you, but that's just a whole other business model. And, and I think it really comes down to, I think what Angie and I do, it was very boutique photography mm -hmm. where we're really focused on our clients and right. um, we're not, we know who our clients are. It always right. cracks me up when people come back, you know, five years later and they say, oh, you might not remember me. And I spend so much time with my clients right. that I, you know, maybe I'm, I'm spacing out on their name for a little bit, but I, I pretty well remember everybody right. I've worked with. Right. And I think that's part of what leads to this whole notion that it's always just a friend with a camera is because there aren't big organizations that are photographic studios and things like that for the most, again, there's JCPenney and right. Sears and stuff like that. Well, in the old days, um, that kind of lends itself that, that thinking that this is just a hobby, not a profession. Well, it's like, you, you know, I wouldn't just say, Hey, Brian, I need a haircut. Here's some scissors. Like right. you could give me a haircut. Yes. But do you know what you're doing and are right. you trained? And you know, you want to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. Sure. Sure. So along your, for boudoir. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my yeah. Things is people <laughs> yeah. This is my first one. And weddings. Give it a shot. That weddings yeah. and newborns because newborns, Absolutely. there's a lot of safety involved. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, good, good mm -hmm. point. Um, so along your journeys, you've, you've both had some, uh, fantastic experiences and you've learned some things along the way. Angie Witten, you mentioned uh, having a, a list of blessings in disguise that happened to you. You had a car accident. You lost mm -hmm. your job. Um, we'll get to a couple others, but tell us about those two things. What, why were those were significant for you? And, and a blessing in disguise in a, in a running a business sense. Yeah, I had um, set myself a goal that I was going to quit my two part-time jobs uh, within 90 days. And then I was in this horrible car accident that, um, you know, Brian, because mm -hmm. you were, yep. you brought me two weeks worth of meals right. the day after. Uh, and I lost all of my gear and I couldn't walk and I was kind of forced to quit my two jobs. So it was like the worst experience of my life, but it also gave me that, um, that push that I needed. And there were, I learned a lot about the photography community during that time because a lot of photographers stepped up and helped me by taking over weddings that I was going to do and, um, helping assist with things that I couldn't do anymore. So, right. And the, and the leaping <coughs> off point of starting your own business is one of the most difficult because yeah. you have Having great that faith, you have great ideas. Mm -hmm. You have a great plan. Sometimes, sometimes I mean a great plan, but it's really just having the, the guts to just leap and having faith that, 
it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. That's uh, yeah. it's definitely a challenge for some folks. Some folks. And to clarify, Stacy made the food. I just delivered it. Right. So I don't want to take credit away from her for making the food. My mom calls me her ready fire aim daughter. Right. So I like jump off, and then it's like, what am I jumping into? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then uh, you got your own studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, how was how was how was that kind of a blessing in disguise? Why wouldn't that just be a, a blessing? Why, what was the, the, the well, disguise? Well, because then you're, you're responsible for all of it. When it's just your name on the shingle, it's all you. Right. You don't have any team. You don't have somebody else that's going to help you with anything. You don't have somebody help move the furniture or paint the walls. I mean, you can call friends in for that. But um, being there by yourself and walking in every day, knowing I'm completely responsible for this space and what happens in it is a huge um, responsibility, I guess. Right. And I would think for both of you, having your own studio adds to the credibility factor Mm -hmm. versus that, you know, this is a friend with a camera kind of thing we talked about. Yeah. and then you joined a great uh, networking group, um, Ignite You, which for folks outside the area who don't know what Ignite You is, that's a that's a very large networking group. That was a big help for you? That's um, probably the best decision I made for my business was to join that. Yeah. Because it's a, um, it's a community. It's a family, not just a business networking group. And uh, the relationships that are built there um, give me a lot of business, and then I give business back. So right. it's a very reciprocal, uh, like a plant if you water it, it's going to grow. Sure. Kind of deal. And for, for many industries, um, um, that intimacy, like boudoir photography, or right. even just family photography, wedding photography, that's a very intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, many industries that require that kind of intimacy, like accounting and banking, where people are going to see your right. your financial nakedness. Right. Um, <laughs> those kind of relationships are key in, in, uh, in growing your business. Right. And the trust. And I would just say one of the other amazing things about that group is that it isn't uh, you, you don't have any limits on industry specific, you know, it's not one per. So it's everybody who's there and you're working with the people you want to work with. And so it just creates more trust and more openness to just share and be who you really are because you you aren't looking for everybody as your client. You're looking for your client who really appreciates who you are and right. connecting with people on a deeper level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been great. We're definitely going to come back to that later on because there's, you guys have some great pointers on that. Angie guy, you mentioned some, some great things that happened to you along your journey was joining a studio share. What, what is that? So my very first studio that I joined into, and actually even still I'm in a studio share, but uh, the first one that I joined, there was six of us. And so we are all in one studio. Uh, that studio was 1500 square feet. So a big space and, um, what we do is just book on a Google calendar. So there's a lot of people going in, you know, many hands make light work. So Mm -hmm. lots of people to work on all of the improvements in the space, as well as share in the rent cost and all that. So it was a really great way to jump into a studio when you're just not quite sure, you know, what to expect, as well as the fact that obviously then we get a bigger space. Right. So um, there's that. Uh, But there's also the other side of the many hands, which is that you're also working with a ton of different personalities and a ton of different people. And, you know, sometimes the fact is that things aren't getting done because there's too many people. So there's there's pluses and minuses to that sharing for sure. And you you mentioned uh, that hearing people that, you know, hearing that people know your name in the community was a big help for you. Absolutely. So that's definitely been something more recently. So I, um, like I said, we start, I started my business about 13 years ago. My son is almost eight. When he was born, I really, it was kind of when I was hitting that five-year mark, which is generally when your business really takes off. And I took a big step back because I, you know, was doing the balance of mom and uh, photographer and all that good stuff. And um, 
So really just in the last couple years since he went back to school, have I really jumped back into my business. And uh, just recently, I've been hearing a lot of, you know, I go to a, an event and they're like, oh, I've seen your name around. Oh, I've heard, you know, great things. And so it really is one of those nice boosts to just know, sure. okay, people actually know who you are. There's so many photographers out there. So right. to know that somebody knows your name and knows your work is a pretty awesome, you know, experience. Right. No, absolutely. That, some of that stuff that happens just kind of fluky when you hear somebody say, oh, I saw this or I heard your name here. Um it seems like that stuff kind of happens when you need it the most, when you're kind of, mm-hmm. you need that kind of boost yep. and, and that, that charge to kind of keep slogging through all the accounting and all the, the taxes and right. all that kind of stuff. And Absolutely. all of a sudden somebody says, oh, I saw something over here. And that, that really gives you a, a, a huge boost. Um, something else you mentioned was believing in community over competition. And that's really the crux of why I asked you two to come in is here you two are um, quote unquote competitors. You've known each other since middle school. Is that right? Or yeah. junior high? She was one of my little sister's best friends yeah. in junior high. So, so um, many folks uh, treat competitors like like pariahs, like they're not allowed to talk, like you, you can't share information, you can't. You have to be very guarded with who your customers are. But like you said earlier, Angie Guy, um, not everybody's your customer. Right. Um, there's, you know, I, in my experience, I found that there's plenty of work to go around. Uh, you, you, by guarding the the consumer from your competition, you're not saving them from making a different decision. They're going to choose or they're going to choose whether you like it or not. Um, But you can get a a ton of benefit from having um, people you can refer to. If you just don't mesh with somebody, you don't, you don't vibe with them the way you want to. What an awesome thing to be able to refer them to somebody you can trust that they may vibe with or whatever. Um, And, and then you become known as a person who knows everybody, even in your own industry. So you just, your, your marketing kind of, shifts gears a little bit where you're you're worried about people finding you randomly where now you're the go-to person to to help find the resources for all kinds of things including your own industry why don't you guys talk about how you how you kind of come to learn that so it's definitely been something where uh, even just from the very beginning i did not go to photography school i don't have a degree i did take classes i've taken many classes throughout the years but it's never been a degree type of a situation so um i always learned from mentors and it was, you know, those people that opened their doors and their their experience to me is how I learned. And, you know, really kind of going through that and the experiences I had with those photographers who were totally closed down versus the ones that were willing to share and just going, you know, wow. I mean, there's so much there's so many people out there. And even if someone is my client right now, they might be her client next month and then they might come back to me again in a year. So, right. you know, it doesn't even necessarily mean that just because they're my client, like I'm even just going to hold on to that one person because there's so many photographers that can do so many things and they're not necessarily going to leave you forever. Sure. And we actually have people who have done sessions with both of us because they knew that we had a different perspective of it. Right. And my whole thing is um, I like having somebody that I can trust to refer to. So if I'm sending, like let's say I'm busy on a certain day and they need a session, knowing that I can hand them off to Angie Guy and that they're going to be taken care of so that that doesn't harm my reputation. Right. Um, kind of like you were saying, it's like you're the connector then. But knowing that I have somebody to trust, like we feed each other referrals. And instead of using your hand to hold somebody back, if you take their hand and bring them up next to you, now your industry is coming as a united front right. instead of where it's more cutthroat. Sure. And especially in photography where it's such an ambiguous, there's no set pricing um, expectation because it depends on what you're getting and who you get. Right. So since there isn't like an industry standard of this is how much a portrait session costs, um, 
having more of a community where you're coming as a united front so that people aren't expecting $20 sessions right. is Absolutely. huge. Absolutely, and yeah. I think also helping to educate those photographers who are coming in at that lower price yeah. point. You know, some of them don't want to be educated about it. They love what they're doing, and they think, you know, it's right. working out great. But Well, they're making thirty-two grand a year, and they think they've hit, they've hit the lottery. Right. So, <laughs> you know, the thing is... You can't make thirty-two grand a year on $20 sessions. Right. There's no way. No. So, you know, the, the thing that they don't understand is they think that they're making the money you know, because it's, you know, they're delivering digital images or whatever that might be, but they still have equipment costs and they have their time they're not even accounting for really. So there's so many things that being able to put, totally lost my train of thought, uh, being able to let them know how worth their time they are and, you know, their understanding of what their value is. That's the word I was looking, you know, helping them with that. I always tell brand new photographers, instead of charging 20 bucks or 40 bucks, do a portfolio build so that you can get work in your portfolio, give those sessions away for free. Right. You get practice. And then once you're ready to be a professional at it, then you can charge at the more of a, um, a regular price. Right. Or, or even just say, Hey, my pricing is going to be this, but I'm offering this discount right now. So that way there's an understanding. So people aren't coming to us saying, well, I paid 50 bucks last time. It's like, well, (laughs) that wasn't wasn't for me. (laughs) Even outside of YouTube with this open-mindedness you have towards reaching out to Mm -hmm. people in your industry, have you found good mentors that help have taught you things? And, and, uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, I have an amazing one that is in Long Island. Her name's Jen Rosenbaum. Um, she's been incredible in helping me um, build my business and kind of crack the whip like, hey, you're supposed to be doing this. And um, there are local ones as well. So it's it's nice to have somebody to look up to because then you can like climb the ladder with them. Right. Um, and then I always, if, if a new photographer comes to me and asks for mentoring, I'm always going to say yes because I've had really awesome people help me out. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody over the weekend uh, who's in a very obscure industry and had a very specific question. He's like, hey, I don't know who else to call. I'm just going to call you and see what you think. And I, my first thing was, isn't there an association you can join of folks who can who mm. do what you do that do this thing? And even though it's a really obscure thing, there's associations for everything. Right. Uh, join one of those and ask somebody else, you know. And, and uh, again, like you mentioned, your, your mentor is in Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, literally across the country from you. Mm-hmm. But you've still got that relationship and they've helped coach you up on things that that you wouldn't have been coached Absolutely. up on otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my point with this whole thing is I find it uh, peculiar that people are in a you know, certain industry and they sit, they tend to block themselves off from the people who can help them the most. Right. And uh, I've had similar experiences as you, Angie, when, when you mentioned, you know, people who reach out to you for mentoring. Uh, I've gotten a tremendous amount of value from from helping folks in, in our industry and outside of our industry. Um, one thing is that it it, it kind of brings to the surface things that I know that I've forgotten. So mm-hmm. somebody will say, hey, I got this particular problem. And I say, well, here's the particular solution. Meanwhile, that's something I haven't really contemplated for six months or six years right. or whatever. And it kind of brings that stuff back to the surface and kind of gets my brain going in the right direction again. Um, Absolutely. So, again, a long-winded way of saying uh, get involved in your industry. I mean, there's there's all kinds of reasons you should. Um, mentorship is one, uh, helping others, moving your, your industry forward. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, universally, like you're talking about, so you don't have stragglers who are left behind who are doing things wrong or giving your industry a bad name or right. or swaying the market one way or the other and, mm-hmm. and giving people a bad taste, especially in, in your industry where people, if they have a really bad experience with photography, that why wouldn't they just say, well, I'll just use my iPhone 10 now and take pictures myself or, hey, neighbor, can you take a picture for me? Because it was such a hassle dealing with the photographer last right. time. I'd rather just do it myself, even though it's an inferior product. 
Um, and that kind of segues now into some things you guys have learned along the way. And Angie uh, Witten, you mentioned, um, again, earlier you talked about no, not being like a studio session photographer. You're not really a cookie cutter photographer. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about that a little bit. What, what have you learned as far as the, the relationships with your customer and who your client is and what you've had to learn as far as that goes? Um, I think in the beginning I was just taking anything I could get and focusing on the income of it. Right. And now I learned something last week that you take pictures for women, not of women. Nice. Um, so like just creating the experience that each client, no matter what the genre is, is looking for um, and kind of holding their hand through the whole thing because they don't know uh, what a crystal USB, you know, with 100 digitals. A lot of people don't even know what we mean when we say digital image. Right. So trying to explain that and uh, walking them through, like, why are you here? Where do you intend to use these? Do you want them on the wall? Do you want an album? Um, who do you want in it? How do you want to be portrayed? Things like that. And giving the, um, giving the experience is huge as compared to what we call shoot and burn, which is you shoot and burn it onto a disc and there's no right. um, relationship or consultation or, or, journey right I and th and then you're minimizing the if your mm -hmm. value of what your experience brings and all those years at new york film or photography school yeah. are now useless because you're just taking 300 pictures and put them on a disc and exactly. you pick out whichever ones you like best versus yeah. <laughs> here's me filtering it for you and telling right. you which ones i think look the best mm -hmm. and you also mentioned um you've had experiences where folks have, folks try to tell you how to do it and <laughs> I, I love these kinds of stories and, and i can't yeah. imagine especially in photography why but it's, it, I think that's kind of a universal thing in any industry. Mm -hmm. Folks, um, uh, they hire a professional, but then want to tell the professional how to do it. And it sounds like you used to kind of go along with that for a while, and then you've, mm -hmm. you've wised up over the years. Especially for weddings. Um, like I feel like every bride has a photographer they're supposed to be with, and I am not meant to be paired with somebody who's more of like a super type A, has 50 Pinterest boards and an Excel spreadsheet, and she's going <laughs> to tell me here's all of the shots I want. And then you're going to stand over here and these are the settings. And, um, I took a couple of those and it was, it just like sucked the soul out of me because then they're not happy because you didn't fulfill their vision. Right. Because it's not your vision. So it's hard to make somebody else's plan. I mean, and I'm not against like Pinterest ideas or shot lists, sure. but, um, when they come at you with a binder for your photography, <laughs> that's not my client. So right. it's <coughs> different between coming to you with ideas <coughs> and coming to you with this is the way it's going to be done. Right, because they're, they're never going to be happy with what you produce, and, um, and that makes you feel bad, you know? You right. want your clients to be happy. Right. So I, I'm more like if I do a consultation and the bride and groom are like, Oh, we love your work. Whatever you think, it's like cool. You're my client. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And Angie, guy, you've mentioned recently learning that it's okay to fire a client. Yeah, I actually just had this a couple weeks ago, where, um, you know, I, there's been many times where I've I've taken the client, and you just get that feeling in your gut where you just are like, oh, it just it doesn't feel right. Right. And uh, especially when with what we do, we are so connected with our clients, and it's a, a very personal experience a lot of times where we're really, you know, digging into some emotions and, and things like that. And this client and I were just not, we weren't connecting. And we had multiple stumbling blocks where, you know, everything we had done in communication, it was very much out of my normal um, realm of what I do. And everything we had done had been by uh, text. And I hadn't had the opportunity to talk with her. And most of the time, all of my sessions start with a consultation first. You know, we talk a little bit about ideas and then say, come in for a consultation. And 
just because of the circumstance of a specific type of session I was offering. We had booked the session first, and then we were trying to get in for the consultation, and she just was having a hard time making it work for that consultation, and then, you know, didn't understand that she'd have to come back to order in my studio as well. And um, so it just became a thing where too many miscommunications, and I every time it was just feeling like, oh, this is so not right. This, right. this just isn't going down the right path. And finally, I just had to say, I'm so sorry. This is, you know, this is not going to work for me. And right. I just, I know that it's not, if we do continue to work together, it just isn't going to feel right. Yeah. And that's, I think that's another uh, kind of universal thing that um, the first time you have to fire a client, it's, it feels so backwards because you work mm-hmm. so hard for so many years to get to the point where you have people reaching out to you. And then when you have to turn around and tell somebody, yeah, sorry, this just isn't going to work. Even though you know you're right, it just, it sucks really bad. <laughs> and you second, right. at least for me, I remember second guessing myself many, many times, but um, um, it's, it's always, I think it's always worked out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. They, they found who's a better fit for them. Um, and again, I think that's not specific to photography. I think that's kind of universal that many small business people, as they grow, they kind of hit that and they're like, and it just doesn't feel right. But you know, you know, it's the right thing to do and keeping in mind that, like you said, it's, it's a, your industry is an intimate thing where you do develop a personal relationship, but it's not, it's not personal in that, like they're blaming you or you're blaming them. It's just not a good fit. Who cares? Let them, let them pick somebody who's Mm going to make be a good fit and and move on. You both be happier. Absolutely. Um, and then we talked about pricing a little bit. Um, for you guys, again, I think specifically because you are competing against amateurs, you do this as a hobby, pricing has got to be a concern or a, a just a, a hurdle to kind of overcome every step of the way. I mean, you are dealing with JCPenney portraits for mm-hmm. 20 bucks. You are yeah. de- dealing with people who are just starting out charging what they think they should be charging, not knowing what the hell they're doing. Um, how, how have you had to kind of change your mindset on that over the years? I think probably actually where we're at right now we probably get less of the people who are questioning our pricing because we're not at uh, a point where we're just above those people, you know, or we've, we've kind of separated ourselves farther, but when, you know, you're kind of just breaking out of that lower income or lower, you know, price bracket, um, you get a lot more of that, that pushback where people are saying, well, why are you charging double, you know? And now it's to a point where people are really seeing the value of what we're doing um, but definitely, I kind of forgot what the question was, but you know, it's, it's <laughs> that. just dealing with pricing and, yeah. and that, that, that hurdle that you have to overcome. And again, in the beginning for me, I can remember we built our whole business on pricing mm-hmm. and then like two years in, we're like, okay, this is, we can't, we can't continue absolutely. to do this. It's so a, it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, once you start getting the building and the equipment and the insurance and all that, you know, you obviously have to start going to a whole other level mm-hmm. than, you know. I have people who are absolutely that I know who are running a business exactly, you know, similar talent levels and, but they don't have overhead because they don't have a studio space. Right. And so they don't need to charge the same amount that I do. And they're putting out, you know, exactly the same type of work. And so it's just, there are so many different things in photography that you're looking at. And it's, you know, just a matter of what's important to you when you hire so your what, photographer. What, what happened for you specifically, like in that scenario, wh- when did you shift gears from, I have to compete on price to, this is my price, and if it doesn't work for you, I understand. I've been in a studio share now, well, studio, period. So um, it's been probably about eight years, nine years. I guess it, it was a little bit before my son was born that I jumped in and started doing the studio. So, um, you know, the, the change really, that 
that has to dictate a change immediately. But I think just mentoring really was really a big part. I started out in an association um, and I think that really helped me as I, I joined an association of photographers first and I started learning from people uh, before I, t- I tried to do it on my own. Um, that's really such a huge thing to to just find those people that are going to tell you, you know, as, as hard as it is when you're starting out your business and trying to think, well, I, you know, I don't know if I'm worth that yet. And those people that are going to tell you, you know, you are worth that. And here's how we can show you how you're worth it is right. really important. So, so question for both of you then, uh, as you're, as you're laying out your, your, um, options to, to new clients and you're saying, here's, you know, for this price, here's what you get. Do you spend the time to tell them what's happening behind the scenes to, to kind of get them off that mindset of all you're doing is taking photos and put them on a disc and then hand them back? Or is, or is it, you don't worry about the mechanics of it and you really focus on the relationship? It depends on the person. Yeah. It depends on if they're, they're looking like they need to see what they're getting right. for their money. But um, I think that my work speaks for itself. So it's like if you want the, this kind of experience, this is what I charge. Right. Um, and, you know, if you like my work and you like the products that I have, then you're going to see value in that. And if you don't see value in it, then you're not my client. Right. And that's and okay. And, again, it's not personal. Yeah. Uh, no different than some, you know, art, art is art and photography is definitely art. Mm-hmm. Some folks would walk up. I saw a picture of a painting that sold for, like, it was like a million dollars. And the it was red a, dot or something? It was, it was like no, it was, it was worse than that. It was a, it was a canvas that was, I think it was like eight by eight, eight feet by eight feet. And it was canvas painted like ocean blue, like one solid color. <laughs> it, it was by some famous artist. And it was like, it yeah. sold for like a tremendous amount of yeah. money. And I was like, I just don't get it. So obviously that artist isn't for me. Um, but the, the, the artwork I do have in my house, mm-hmm. uh, it, most folks probably wouldn't dig it, but it's it's what I like. So I don't I didn't care what it cost. You know, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And I think a lot of the um, difference at this point too with Angie and I. I know we both do sell digital images, but most of our business is focused on giving the client something the tangible, yeah, something yeah. tangible, something they're holding. Uh, you know, for myself anyway, that's part of the conversation always up front. Is that yeah, I have digital images for sale. You can go down that route, but. I don't want you to have files sitting on a thumb drive, excuse me, <clears throat> that you're just keep thinking, oh, I need to do something with that. I, th- I feel like it's my job as a photographer to provide you with something that you're actually going to look at and enjoy and mm-hmm. not just think, oh, I have I have something on my to do list now after I saw my right. photographer. Right, right. No, that's a good point. Um, Angie, you also mentioned uh, almost getting burned really badly from not reading contracts. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely one of those things where uh, when you're out of your element, it's good to hire people to tell you what you don't know. Right. And I even did. I actually, so I, I had a contract and um, I'm not even going to remember what the terms are now, but uh, essentially what it came down to was that we were also responsible to help with the building um, if it needed improvements. And so when we came into the building, the heat, the AC didn't work correctly. The roof was leaking And um, at a point when our landlord decided he was going to sell the building, he basically kind of re-looked at our contract, I think, and went, oh, hey, maybe I can, you know, help have them help me get this taken care of because it's in our contract. And the way that it was explained to us was, well, you know, if somebody graffitis our building, you know, you're going to help to pay for that kind of improvement. Not like a whole roof. Not like a whole (laughs) roof that was already damaged before we got there, you know. And even that, if it would have been a fine roof and then it collapsed or something like that, then maybe, you know, that's different. But we wouldn't have signed that contract if it were explained to us differently. And I even had 
a lawyer look it over, but I didn't know what questions to ask. So right. I think, you know, even just remembering to say, what questions should I be asking about this? I don't, this is totally out of my realm and I, I don't know what I'm looking at. So, yeah, uh, no, uh, contracts are one of those things that, uh, um, you need to have a professional look at it and you don't know until you know. And by the time, mm-hmm. sometimes by the time the way you learn is by <laughs> spending a ton of money on right. something you didn't want to spend a ton of money on. Yeah. And then you know what question to ask there. And again, that's one of those things that associations can help with because right. somebody somewhere has had a similar situation um, and they they definitely could have, you know, if you would have had a person, you could say, hey, look at a contract. What are the things you've, I'm getting ready to get in my studio. What should I be looking for? That kind of thing. Uh, they definitely could have helped you with that. Maybe who, who knows? But right. um, even in photography, there's there's lawyers involved and mm-hmm. things can get ugly and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just part of running a business. Uh, and then you also mentioned... Um, Figuring out when to hire somebody and and uh, and once you figure out you need to hire somebody, who to hire now is the next big question. Uh, how have you worked your way through that? Still working my way through that. <laughs> I feel like you know it's it's so hard because you think oh this is the perfect person and they're doing great and then all of a sudden oh yeah they have a life too that you know your business right. doesn't necessarily fit into their life anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, you know I've had some great people that have helped me along the way. And then I think, you know, the other good thing, too, is to remember that just because one person may not be a good fit or one um, outsource might not be a good fit. So, for instance, I uh, outsource some of my editing right now. So they basically just run some basic presets and do some basic editing. And then I take over at the end and finish up to my specifications that I prefer because I might be a little bit obsessive about my editing. Right. (laughs) Um, So the biggest thing is, you know, just to know that, just because it didn't work one time doesn't mean just give up uh, because I think we we have such a hard time letting go of things as right. small business owners. You know, well, that person isn't going to do it right or the way that I would do it. And um, so I have outsourced two or three different times before and found that it wasn't a good fit. And, right. you know, I finally have found on my fourth term time somebody who is a good fit for me and you know the product is coming back and I'm happy with it and so yeah. it's just don't give up just right when you're in those situations of you want to grow well I mean or, or you're wondering what to do your choices are you can either stay small and do everything yourself mm-hmm. or you can grow and hire people anything in the middle is just you doing more and more and more mm-hmm. and getting burned out and and uh, uh, you, you know you're, you're just a woman you're just a person you can't yeah. you can't possibly do everything on your own and right. have a time for your family and 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 it's just it's just too much you know mm-hmm. it's, it's a and real there's so many that things that you don't need to do that you know somebody else is going to be better at it than you are you know you don't want to admit it necessarily but there's <laughs> people out there that definitely right. accounting and you sure. know that definitely is not why I got into photography was my accounting skills. So. Right, right, right. And you and I have talked about this before, um, Angie Guy. We, we talked about, uh, we had lunch one time, and we were talking about your dislike for accounting. And I remember <laughs> I remember saying something at that at that time, because you, you do like five different kinds of photography, right? Uh, sure. S- something like that. So I mean, many it, different it, kinds. Well, I mean, but I mean, really. you, you do like boudoir, and you do, you know, portraits, and I mean, you yeah. can break it up into five or 10 or 15, whatever categories. Right. Um, and we were talking about um, uh, your dislike for accounting. I said, well, one of, th- one of the reasons you would want to invest some time in accounting is because you may think you're making, because all your stuff is kind of put in a big pile at the end of the month, and here's, right. my, here's my revenue, here's my expenses. But if you, if you find, you, you may not know that you're way drastically undercharging for boudoir, for example, because it gets, uh, the information gets jumbled up and mixed in with all the portrait food, so do you, uh, portrait photos you do, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know that you weren't charging enough for those things if you didn't kind of split them out in your accounting system and kind of figure out 
if you were getting the right price for each individual uh, thing you did. Right. Um, have you had any more thoughts about that, or, or that pretty much went away after lunch? Go ahead, Angie Witten. Yeah, I have. Um, uh, I had somebody, a business coach, look at my financials once, and I had been putting equal time into marketing all of the genres. Right. And she pointed out to me that like five percent of my income was real estate photography. So any time I spent trying to build that up was not as um, as much of a you know. Uh, return. Yeah, return. Thank you. That's what right. I'm looking for. Uh, of a return. So I still do real estate photography. I just don't spend any energy marketing it. Right. Because it's not, in, you know, I'm not going to get as much out of it for my business. So Sure. Yeah. And, and for, you know, for I'm just looking at a handful of different types of things, like a wedding, for instance. You're spending, I don't know how many dozens of hours you're spending <laughs> sorting through <laughs> 3,000 pictures many, or whatever many. you take. Yes. Versus a portrait session where you, you maybe spend, I don't know. Four or five. I don't, again, I don't know what the numbers are. It usually equals out to four to five hours per hour of shooting, gotcha. no matter what the genre is. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just uh, I, would, I would recommend for folks listening, if you have multi, you do the same thing, but you do it in different settings, different, you know, aspects or whatever, uh, break that stuff up so you can see, make sure you're charging the right price. You mm-hmm. might find at the end of the month when you break it up that you're drastically undercharging for boudoir, for instance, because you didn't account for something because you did just say, well, I do five things. I'm going to split up the marketing costs right. evenly five ways and all that kind of stuff. Um, last thing I want to talk about with you two is you've both been doing this a while now. You both have found some success. Um, has it been difficult difficult for you guys to like accept and embrace that success? Are you able to, to handle that okay? You feel good about it? Do you, did you struggle with that in the beginning as you started kind of turning the corner? Um, I struggled with it big time because uh, – I had what I call imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough to be charging this? Am I um, giving enough value? Am I, you know, do I have any chops in this? Am I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I was in the right field. And right. Um, I had like a block around money where I felt guilty taking it. So I had to work through that to now it's, <clears throat> excuse me, now it's, uh, I understand that I'm doing a service for people and it's valuable mm-hmm. and they're comfortable paying me for it. So I need to get over myself. Right. So, but I've, I've stopped worrying about like what other photographers think. Right. And I worry about what my clients think because they're the ones that are, you know, paying my mortgage for me. You right. Know, kind of thing. Right. So. How about you, Angie? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's quite a process and you know, as an artist, there's so much of ourselves that are tied to what we do. It's not just a service. It's, you know, we've, we've poured ourselves into creating something. And so when we're asking someone then to pay for it, if they've got an issue with something, you know, it's just, there's so much internal stuff that happens with the interaction between what we create for someone. And so it definitely takes a while to get that, like, okay, you know, I got this and um, I'm at a place where now I'm feeling, you know, really confident and um you know but you think even still you know it's so quick that entrepreneur roller coaster where you know you get <laughs> one person who says the wrong thing and you know it's just like oh well that you know it hits me because i am what i'm selling right yeah. so um it definitely it never i don't think it ever goes away even though you get more confident i think there's still just you know the right thing to hit you at the right you know i just was cleaning my office yesterday and found a card that a client had sent me that said thank you so much for your passion and uh, your love for what you do and that type of thing. And, you know, even though I'm at a place, you know, where things are great and going well and, you know, even just to get that again, it's just like, oh, that that reaffirmation of, okay, I'm, do, I, I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right thing. 
Right. One of the things I remember, uh, probably about, right about the time I met both of you guys, we were about five years into our business, and we kind of gotten over the, you know, everybody tells you if you make it two years, you're in good shape. Mm-hmm. Well, then they change it to five years right after you hit two years in a day. It seems like how that <laughs> right. works out. And <laughs> it was right around the five-year mark where I was really, really um, quite anxious about um, just stuff. And I couldn't figure out what it was until I kind of finally sorted out that, I was really scared about being discovered as a fraud, <laughs> if right. that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like the imposter I syndrome. was in way over my skis, and there, how how I've been super lucky to pull this off so far, and it's going to fall apart at any moment. <laughs> and it really took me uh, several months to kind of work through that and kind of, you know, affirm to myself that things were going okay. Is that a baby crying? That sounds uh, like kids singing, um, maybe. <laughs> um, it just took me a while to kind of talk myself through that and work work out that whole thing of uh, you know, listen, you are capable, you are able to do this. It's not falling apart, you know, I just was curious if you guys, because you are, what you sell is, like you said, it's you, it's your, it's mm-hmm. your, your vision of how things look and, and how to make things look beautiful and things like that. I was just ever, always wondering if you guys ever went through that kind of over, having overcome that, uh, that fear of being discovered as a totally. fraud or a phony I've, or something like that. I heard something the other day that I think only 10% of photographers make it two years. And then of that 10%, only 20% make it five years. Wow. So that's like a really small margin. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's like, I'm almost at five years. I'm so close. Um, so that's like my goal because then I, I'll know that, okay, I've made it. I'm good. I don't have to worry anymore. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. But well, there so is that imposter fear, like um, that whole, what if I'm not good enough? And what if, right. what if they think I'm what, a fraud? What, was there anything specifically you did to, to get through that? Um, really shifting my focus, like I said, from what photographers thought to what my clients, clients think. Yeah, really sense. focusing on what uh, experience they wanted. Because I had a photographer a few years ago say, oh, well, you're not good enough with lighting, so you shouldn't be charging that much. And uh, so that, of course, reinforces the fraud right. yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that, that just came out of something that he was going through, it turns out. But yeah. then it made me question, am I charging too much? Am I worthy of being a photographer? So... Um, like stopping listening to what other people in my industry think yeah. and just paying attention to what my clients want and the value they see in it right. was able to get me through that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just had a, a really good friend of mine who um, they, before I met them, worked a lot with another very well-known um, photographer in our area. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that when they hire you, then you go, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, obviously I'm, in their light, um, you know, I'm good and as good as this other photographer if they're willing to trust me with these mm-hmm. images for their family. And, um, you know, just recently they had hired her again for a family portrait. And, you know, I sat down, was having a conversation with her, and she said, you know, um, she's basically family to us. So um, I don't want you to think that I was cheating on you or, you know, whatever, and kind of takes it back to that. There's always room to, you know, go back and forth between different things. But um, it, it is kind of, you know, both of that. You have to go through that thought of, okay, well, did they just leave me or right. <laughs> are they coming back? Do they really love me? Right, 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 right. Um, but, you know, to also know that they're hiring you with someone who you also see as, you know, such great competition and, and uh, know that they love you both equally. Right. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So somebody you've lo- I've looked up to for a really long time and follow her work. And I'm actually not one who follows other photographers very much. Um, it's generally more the people that I follow are the people who I have an emotional connection to. And um, so I never really did a lot of, um, am I as good as that person or trying to emulate them or, you know, 
figure out which settings they were using or anything like that. I never did a lot of research like that. Uh, it was more the people that I felt an emotional connection to that I followed. And um, just it's really cool to be at this place where, you know, people are, are respecting that and, and looking to me now also to, hey, could you teach me how to do this thing? Yeah, yeah when you guys cool. were, when you guys, uh, we started out talking about uh, the the journey women go through getting a boudoir session uh, or partaking or participating in that. I was thinking about it's a very similar journey, um, just the toughness you find yourself in, in the in the the experiences and things like that, and you're all this angst and stuff like that, and you get through it and you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. It's yeah. kind of after I got through that whole imposter syndrome that you're talking about. I kind of I kind of went through a similar kind of process. So, anyhow, I, that doesn't mean I'm a, a boudoir candidate. Uh, just uh, <laughs> no uh, boudoir for you. No, no well, yeah, for I, I wouldn't say no. I mean, All I wouldn't right. say no. To, I would say never to anything, right? But um, hey, thanks a lot for coming in. I really appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, for those of you listening who don't know Angie Guy and Angie Witten, they're a lot of fun. You guys took it pretty easy on me today, as far as the. Um, uh, getting too carried away i was kind of i was a little <laughs> nervous not, not too bad but right this was really really tame for this us this is super tame for you i was i had a whole different like I, you know whatever you guys did a great job i uh, really appreciate you coming in these guys are a lot of fun for you listening if you are looking for any kind of photographer i would definitely recommend either one of these folks uh angie guy again with angie d photography angie d photography.com 253-230-7886 and angie witten with harmony photography at myaharmonyphotography.com two five three eight eight zero two six seven two uh thanks again for coming in ladies i really appreciate it um thank you yeah thanks for having next us. week we're going to have in harry wilson from sign on uh, shine on science to talk about his experience running several businesses uh, many of which were in need of an overhaul and a complete turnaround situation so for anybody who's uh, who's uh, in the midst of that or getting ready to be in the midst of having to completely turn a business around you'll want to tune in next week and uh, with that we'll talk to you all next week